0: Welcome to another episode of the One Haas Podcast. I'm Sean Lee, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Guan. And today, we're joined by Wei Zhu, an all-star of the AXE 2022 class. Welcome, Wei. Great to be here. Thanks, guys, for having me. Wei, why don't you start us off and give us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and where you grew up. So yeah, I was born and raised in China, and
1: came to the States about 10 years ago went to U of M for uh, computer science and economics. And now I'm part of, Ray mentioned, part of EW 2022 uh, at Berkeley, so go blue and then go bears. So outside of class, I work at uh, this uh, startup company called Clearbit based out of Soma, but our company is globally distributed. So right now, I serve as a data product manager there, uh, essentially manage all of the data related products in uh, the company. And before Clearbit, I was at Crunchbase as a data solutions architect, essentially helping out scale the data engineering team and also building out customer facing solutions. Mm. And before that, I was at another company that got acquired by SoFi in 2017, and I helped build the uh, data engineering team there. And before that, I was at Michigan, spent two years there building out a couple of companies myself. Uh, definitely had some great learnings there. It was also kind of a traumatizing <laughs> memory. But yeah, that was one of the reasons I really wanted to come to the Bay Area and really learn from all the Bay Area successful entrepreneurs and startups.
0: Got it. You know what? You're the first guest to ever go through your background in reverse. Why is that? Is it because of just how you're thinking about it or was there like a, a, a clear path that led you to where you are today from your past experiences?
1: So I guess I always try to lay out my stories in fact and then reason, mm, right? Okay. So now I'm here because you know, I came from some, something else and before that I came from something else. So the reason there is that you, know, you always make a
0: step Right into a direction because of something. Maybe we should start interviewing in that order. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. I actually it made a lot of sense. Okay, I guess the immediate question is, you know, what brought you to Haas? So I've been working at startups for
1: four, or five years, getting close to to, to five years, and uh, right now as a product manager, you know, I realize there are so many different skills that I haven't yet learned, you know, from before as an engineer. Hmm. Right, as an engineer. You're supposed to just, you know, face a computer monitor, type your code, right? Solve a problem that's very specific. But you know, as a product manager, the skill set is much more broader. Right. And also, part of the reason is because, as I mentioned before, I did a couple of companies back in Michigan. Did not do well. Uh, at least the second uh, company was totally traumatizing, and that gave me a lot of great takeaways about you know what I needed to learn because I knew you know as an entrepreneur, as an engineer, I can build something from zero to one, right? Mm-hmm. But building something from one to one hundred, right, requires a totally different skill set, and that is something I really want to learn from the MBA class.
0: That is very insightful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Way you and I have talked before on some of the companies that you've built. I heard from our talkings, of course, that you've started up your own karaoke company. Yeah, that's the one I want to hear about. I want to hear about Midnight KTV. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Of course. Well, so the time was 2012 and uh, I was sitting in a micro-econ class, intermediate like micro-econ, I was econ major, mm-hmm. and the professor was talking, and I was so bored. I was so bored. I was like, you know, how, how, how do I even make sense of any of this? How do I even <laughs> use them, right? I'm sure all of you have that kind of similar struggle at some point during college. It's like, huh, I'm learning psychology. I'm learning, you know, micro-econ. I'm learning social science, but, you know, I can't seem to find a reason for those. Might have been every right. day. <laughs> right? So <laughs> yeah. I definitely struggled with that. So that was kind of a snapshot, right? So mm-hmm. with that kind of frustration, also at the, uh, at the time, you know, I was an international student. You know, for the international student, you pay a uh, public university, you still pay upward of 50 grand every year. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the ROI there was not very obvious to me at the point. Right. So I got a little bit frustrated. I tried poking around different ways. I tried to build my own independent study. It didn't quite pan out. And... Towards the end of it, I was like, "Might as well just use that money for higher ROI and just build a company myself." I got excited about that, and then at the time, you know, I was also a computer science major. Square back then, right? It was this tiny startup that nope. just came out with the, the little Square Reader, yep. and I was amazed by it. I was like, "Huh? You can optimize right, a credit card transaction by that much by with just this little innovation." I wonder if I can use that right to optimize. And small business. My mom uh, had her own small business, which was a lot of struggle mm. uh, back then. Yeah. So, so I always have this in the back of my mind. I always wanted to just see if I can build something for small businesses. So I essentially came up with this small business storefront management system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this idea of just essentially using Square Card Reader with a bunch of other things to manage your inventory, your customers, your day-to-day operations, anything. Right. And back then there wasn't quite you know such an integrated solution yet. There was QuickBooks. There was like a bunch of other solutions but nothing so integrated mm-hmm. i was like ah, that must be a really good idea so let me just you know give it a try mm-hmm. so i built the initial version of that and started testing it out uh, local small businesses yeah. i chatted with maybe 50 60 local small business owners and they were all excited about the idea but mm-hmm. none of them were really willing to open up their business for right. someone to come in and start you know just testing it, right? Yeah, because yeah. I mean understandably, if you own a business, you don't want someone to just come in and change everything. Right. So very quickly I realized, you know, it's probably not gonna work out. So I changed my plan. I was like, you know, if they can run a business, I can start a business myself. At the time, you know, looking at an average population, I was like, there's something around 20,000 uh, Asian population yeah. on mm-hmm. campus. So I was like, okay, you know, there may be something I can do just by <laughs> building a karaoke. Uh, you know, I've been to karaoke before. I do you like uh, karaoke. Yeah. So essentially, I lied to my parents. Don't tell them. I lied to, to, to my parents to say that I need a, a little bit of tuition, money, and events. That's basically how I got my first seat and use that money to just uh, pitch to my friends. Hey, I got this investment, 50 grand, right? Yeah. Do you, do you want to just come in with me? Yeah. And two of my friends joined and the three of us put together this pot of money, 150 grand, and we just essentially rented this place. We rented this uh, 2,400 square feet place. It was a vanilla box, essentially four blank walls, nothing in between, yeah. retail space, and then we just converted it into kind of a private room karaoke, the Asian-style karaoke. Uh, lounge. It was kind of a you know your typical figuring it out story. You know, that was my second year in the States. So wow. literally I couldn't really speak a full sentence of English properly. Yeah. And at wow. the time I didn't know you know what is the drill, what is a two by four, you know, what is you know high voltage, low voltage, any you know, kind of that yeah. thing. But I guess in retrospect, ignorance is a kind of blessing in that way because had I known how complex it is to set up a small piece, I probably wouldn't have done it. Yep, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? So ignorance is bliss there and just kind of took us about a year and a half to really just put everything together. But by the end, because there's such a pent-up demand in Ann Arbor, especially around North Campus, if, if you've been to Ann Arbor, you know, North Campus of Ann Arbor is this engineering School. Yeah. A lot of people don't really have a you know, good way to spend their nightlife yeah. there. So a lot of Chinese population come in and they enjoy their nightlife there. One thing that I think is brag-worthy is actually the second year in operation, you know, the karaoke bar was doing well. And actually three couples got engaged in the karaoke bar. Wow. So they liked it that much. And I'm happy to report that all three of them are still happily married and nobody got (laughs) divorced, so (laughs) I guess that's good. That's good branding for the company. (laughs) Should have called
0: it Double Happiness KTV. Yeah, Yeah.
1: probably. Yeah, it's probably worth changing his name. But yeah, good thing is that the karaoke bar did well. Yeah. Bad thing is the uh, small business management system didn't quite quite pan out. Mm. I was terrible of a coder and built everything just too... customized for right. the karaoke business right. and it wasn't quite you know suitable for other type of business. I was also too involved in the day to day operations mm-hmm. at the company. So towards the end it didn't didn't quite pan out. And uh, I think it was time for me to move on right. to the next chapter. So just essentially sold the business to a local entrepreneur and just moved on.
0: I'm really curious about 102 lab. Mm-hmm. So you know I was reading on your LinkedIn you sold the business, Midnight Key TV, to basically provide the funding to one on two lab. What was 102 Lab? Like what were you guys trying to accomplish? Yeah,
1: so I guess 102 Lab was really a continuation of the first business. Mm. Essentially, you know, ever since the the KTV became a hit, a lot of my friends came to me for advice because they wanted to do something similar, right? right. Want, everybody has their passion. You might be passionate about pizza, you might be passionate about yoga, you might be passionate about any sort of thing, and you want to turn that into real business. Mm. But how do you go about starting that first business in the first place, right? As a first-time entrepreneur, it could seem super intimidating, right? Like I said earlier, had I know how difficult it would be, I probably wouldn't have done it, right. right? So from incorporating, to setting up your finance, to interviewing customers, all sorts of activities can seem super intimidating. Mm-hmm. But the second time around, it gets so much easier. Right. So I gave a lot of advice and then very quickly I, th- I thought to myself you know I could have done better Right, yeah. I could have instead of just giving out advice I could also help them get things executed Right, right? So essentially yeah with that idea you know I wanted to build this small business incubator Yeah, yeah. And No such thing really exists I just want to provide this environment, resource to help, you know, passionate local entrepreneurs to, to, to build their business. Yeah. And at the time also made perfect sense for Michigan because uh, Detroit just went bankrupt a couple of years ago. The local economy really needed the boost. Right. So I was like, you know, maybe that was the right idea. Unfortunately, one thing, one big mistake, which turned out to be the thing that really brought us down, was the financial model that we came up with, mm. was essentially profit sharing. Right. Understandably, you know, customers wouldn't trust us if they saw someone just come in and say, hey, I'm gonna help you start your business, give me hundred grand. Right. Nobody yeah. will be willing to do that. Sure. Right. So essentially we came up with the idea of just profit share as they make money. So essentially if they are successful, then we make money. Correct. If they don't become profitable, we don't see a dime. Right. right. So essentially that line our interest with their interest. But unfortunately the one thing I didn't foresee was that, you know, the cycle to um, become profitable for small businesses is actually much longer, right? right. So it usually take two, three years for any small business to really break even, and start making a real profit. Yeah, and uh, that was too long the cycle for right. us. At least the, the cash reserve that we had wasn't able to sustain ourselves for that long. And at the time, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have enough credit history or anything. Bank wouldn't provide us a loan. I went to talk to investors, and investors like, what the heck are you doing? Like, <laughs> Small businesses, it doesn't have that X factor. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's not going to be your next Twitter or Facebook or anything. I'm not willing to give your money. So by the end, just used up all of the money that I had from selling the first company. And it literally, it was kind of heartbreaking. It was kind of traumatizing, honestly, <laughs> to just watch my bank balance drop digit by digit. And yeah. by the mm-hmm. end, I even owe bank money yeah, on yeah. my debit account. So essentially, my wow. debit account at one point was... Had the parenthesis behind it, uh-huh. right? So that was not a great thing, but yeah, that was also some great takeaways from that experience. Is that from the get-go, you need to know what are you trying to accomplish, and at the same time, also trying to figure out at what point do you need what type of resource, right? Does your business plan make sense along the journey? should you anticipate, you know, having to raise funds or anything, which seems obvious, right? If yeah, you have yeah. worked at a startup. But at, uh, at that time, I didn't have any kind of startup experience. I didn't really think any of that. I uh, just went into the it anyway. So in that sense, you know, ignorance was kind of a curse. But at the same time, you know, it was great learning experience for me.
0: That's beautiful. I think that's the most important lesson. No matter what you have to try, you know, whether you succeed or fail. I, I think, many of the people we talked to, you've only succeeded because you've failed so many other times in so many other ways. Like, I think your message is just so inspiring for any students that want to be an entrepreneur.
1: That's great. I'm glad. Speaking of that, I I actually know that uh, you've also been involved in helping people here at Haas in terms of just coaching, giving advice. Do you want to speak a little bit to your involvement so far? Yeah, so actually, just had our first session. It's the STEP program Mm -hmm. uh, that you mentioned. Uh, We just had our first meeting last Thursday. If you don't know about STEP, it's essentially this um, student entrepreneurship program where they help bring students together to work on different ideas, to form startups, in the ultimate goal of putting them on the track for the next step, essentially, Mm -hmm. to raise funds, to get your customers, to get your product out there, whatever that might be. Right. So you can continue to develop your business either independently or to go through you know, Launch or Skydeck or any kind of other accelerator that we have on campus, go which ahead. is amazing. So I really wanted to help out and it also kind of perfectly aligns with the 102 lab idea is that you know I could also be helpful for these students who... Is going on their first entrepreneurship journey. I could have probably just, you know, lend a hand there, share some personal stories, some some experience, so that you know they can go about this journey with a clear mind, with some clear directions in their head. I am happy to share that there are exciting ideas around mm-hmm. your. Personal finance is a new parent. Your infrastructure building from a government's perspective, you know, we, we all know the Bay Area has spent so much more money on improving infrastructures, but we haven't really seen dramatic improvement. Mm-hmm. And there was this one team trying to work on, you know, how to provide a little bit of transparency into this infrastructure building process, mm-hmm. which seems to me is such a great idea. You know, everybody can really benefit from it. And that kind of innovation coming out of Berkeley, I think is, um, is very important.
0: So Wei, you've been here for a little over a semester. You know, you have another two and a half years to go, really. What are you really looking to get out of the Haas experience? So
1: one of the primary drivers that really prompted me to join Haas is that, you know, I really want to leverage Haas connections and resources to launch my next startup. Because, you know, the entrepreneur is still... In me, even yeah. though the feeling experience can be kind of traumatizing, I always wanted to do it again because, you know, it is exhilarating to yeah. see, you know, your first customer coming in. That type of excitement, right? it stick with, uh, with you and I yeah. want to see that again. So that's my ambition. But at the same time, also, I acknowledge the fact that right now I have more to lose, right? I have a job, I have a family, I have everything. So really want to make sure that this time I do it right. Mm-hmm. Right, so for that, I definitely need to learn from all the amazing faculties, from my classmates, from everybody, right, to get a better idea of how to take something again from one to one hundred, mm-hmm. right. So that was my primary driver coming to Haas, and for that, I'm looking forward to participate in the entrepreneurship class, mm-hmm. um, step, and uh, in the future, Skydeck launch any type of entrepreneurship-related activities, Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see my name on it. Awesome. Very nice. Lastly, Wei, we want to ask you, which defining leadership principle resonates most with you? So my favorite one is actually challenge the status quo, Mm -hmm. or as we put it, axe the status quo. There you go. Mm We got did our ch- slogan in axe
0: really yeah. yep is that, that part of axe Ax- is axe the status quo that, yeah that was wow, our chant a- this year that's yeah, my first that time lost. hearing that that's pretty good right yeah okay yeah
1: so I mean there are so many things that we can challenge and uh, well kind of going back to my background a little bit you know I've been working in the area and being involved in data field for a period of time you know right now I serve as data product manager and before I was data engineer and data really fascinates me because I see data not as just you know, a, bun- a bunch of numbers that you can run math on. It's an abstraction of human behavior. And from that sea of data, you can actually see patterns and find ways to optimize things. Right? Absolutely. There are so many things that you can do. Right now, You know, with everything that's coming out, whether it's machine learning, artificial intelligence, any type of uh, technology advancement, it means that we have more and more opportunities to really challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. right so not to give out specific examples but you know going back to to the step program you know there are so many ideas that i wouldn't even have dreamed about and people are already working on those right and i really want to you know as mba or as you know step coach or as an entrepreneur to help them or maybe myself take a leading role at some point to really challenge that school and make the world a little better place
0: i love it awesome
1: Well, thank you so much, Wei, for coming on with us. Great. Thank you guys for having me.